You're listening to Flight Plans, the SAE Aero Design Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the podcast, the first episode of 2018. This happens to be a special podcast for us here at the CDS team. Our longtime manager, Bob Seckler, is going to be retiring um, in just a few short days, so we asked him to come and join us for a conversation about what CDS has been like over the years, um, the good, the bad, the ugly, and uh, maybe a little bit about his predictions for the future of CDS as we continue to move into um, a new, new time and place in the world. So I have with me Bob Seckler. I also have Sam Brill and Kaylee Zundel, who are the program managers for Baja SAE and SAE Air Design, and then also Formula, SAE, SAE Clean Snowmobile, and SAE Super Mileage. So all the the series are represented here today. So they'll be chiming in. They've been with us the longest. So Bob's been here 35 years at SAE. Yeah. Sam, how long have you been at SAE? Going on 26. Kaylee? Oh, uh, I think 18. So there you go. We've got a lot of experience uh, sitting at this table. So let's just get right into it. So, um, Bob, I was reading a little bit on the newsletter. We had an internal newsletter article go out about you, and it was a really interesting um, interview for me to read because I didn't know a lot of that stuff about the the way CDS started in the early days. Uh, So how did you make your way to CDS itself. I know you came in from the advertising industry, which is a little bit yeah. of an interesting bent um, and, and feeds a little bit of why we do the things the way we do here at CDS. That's correct. I, I used to be a advertising manager for a business newspaper in Pittsburgh. And uh, someone came to me. I came to SAE. Well, I left the newspaper because uh, I had young children, and it was a lot of doing business later at night, which I didn't think was very healthy. So I came to SAE, and I took a job in the exhibits division, you know, developing, promoting exhibits, which used to be a big deal back then. It was a big moneymaker for SAE at the time. But while I was there, someone mentioned, hey, there's this new thing coming up you might be interested in. They're interested in getting more younger member involvement and more of a focus on... uh, student programs, student chapters, and student activities. So it came up, and I thought, well, you know, it was a couple dollars more. So I took the job, left, which made my boss at the time, Art Weldy, very happy that I stayed for a year, you know, working for him a year and a half. Uh, and I had no idea what I, I, I was getting into. It was assistant manager of membership and student development or something of that nature. They basically didn't know what it was either. But um, so that, that's how it all started. Uh, I was reading through materials, and I saw this thing, uh, Mini Baja in Montreal next month. I had to go to that and see what that is. So I went to Montreal, and that's where it all began for me. So what was that first Baja like for you? What did you see? Well, I was pretty amazed, actually, because I used to race cars and motorcycles. So I was pretty intrigued by all the excitement and enthusiasm in these little off-road vehicles. And I guess at the time there were maybe 30 or 40 teams up in Montreal. And these things actually went in the water, too. They were amphibious vehicles. They were running water events. It actually started in 1973. Dr. Bill Shapton, 
Uh, he's at Michigan Tech now. He was at University of Cincinnati at the time. Started this program. It was called the Recreational Ecological Vehicle Competition. They had about 10 teams, and they, I think they did the first event down in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. And then he, later on as the thing grew a little bit, he worked with uh, John Stevens from uh, Southwest Louisiana University uh, to grow the program a little bit. I basically got in there and decided to grow the program a lot. <laughs> and that, that was my intent. After I saw all the enthusiasm and the involvement uh, by the schools, I thought this is a no-brainer here. And it's where we took off. I started doing the uh, Team SAE Once You posters, you know, like Uncle Sam type thing, because you went around engineering schools, you saw most of the literature at the time was two-color cheap, really boring stuff. And then we had our big color poster over there with the Baja vehicle jumping over a hill. Got a lot of attention, except for more information to show up at this meeting. So our student ranks began to really boom. And then as they got popular, uh, we made it a requirement that you had to be an SAE member to take part. So our when student enroll, engineering enrollments were going down, our student membership was growing by leaps and bounds because of the programs. So you can all thank Bob for that requirement that you still have today, which is pretty cool that we still uh, require membership um, as part of participation. So, so after Baja, that was the first competition that kind of started the collegiate design series then where did we go ron matthews was a dr ron matthews at the university of texas at austin uh, decided that he was going to start something called mini indy and i think it was a 15 horsepower briggs and stratton engine um so that's pretty mini by today's standards uh but uh, they started that event, and I think they had it right on campus. Uh, I know the first one I attended was at Texas Arlington with uh, Dr. Woods down there, and we had about 35, 40 vehicles, right? And school parking lots, if you can imagine that now. This used to be a school parking lot event, and it was based on autocross, SCCA autocross, running around cones, running against the clock, no wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing. How did the programs transition more to kind of a design competition, the educational focus? Okay. Well, one of the things I did that was part of my job then was I had some committees. One was called the Accreditation Board for Engineering and Technology, which is the accrediting board for all engineering schools. You had to have ABET accreditation. Uh, ABET was pushing schools for more design in the curriculum, in the engineering curriculum, and more interdisciplinary team activities, those sorts of things. So it was a natural fit. Our programs, we, we designed and built them around the design requirements of ABET. So schools that didn't have a good bit of design didn't have to start from scratch. Uh, to incorporate that into their curriculum, that they were able to go, oh, here's this SAE program, we can just use that. You know, it's interdisciplinary teams, and, you know, it's uh, design, build, test, you know, everything they were looking for. So it was custom made to fit right in that, in that slot, and schools really started 
taken taken up on uh, registrations. So then we added aero design into the mix. That was started by a student. Oh. A student came to me and said, SAE writes more aerospace standards than anyone in the world. Why don't we have an aerospace competition? So I said, give me an idea. So he sent me a proposal. I called him back two days later. I said, let's do it. He said, when? I said, this spring. Let's throw it out there and see if anyone bites. And we got 15 teams to show up in Lake Giacomo, Missouri. Or, and uh, it was actually pretty funny, but we allowed teams had suspension systems built out of um, surgical hose, you know, and they would bounce like in five foot bounces into the runway and land. But uh, that was a go, and it, it grew from there. And now we have, what, three classes and 150 teams. It's amazing. So what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the programs from when you started to now? I mean, it's just keeping pace with the technology. Yeah. Uh, you know, the programs were never about developing new technology. But, you know, being an educational program, we want to expose teams and students to new technology and get them to work with it. So I think in the area of lightweight materials and uh, uh, the electronics, yeah. of course, we went through a series of things with alternative fuels, you know, methanol, solar powered cars, ethanol, liquid natural gas, uh, walking machine, walking machine, robotics. We had a walking machine competition for a while. Let's talk about some of those competitions that are no longer a thing. Those are the ones that this generation of students don't even know about. The walking machine competition? Yes. There was one thing missing from that, and it was called excitement. <laughs> yes. You know, people would stand there on the edge of their, sit on the edge of their seats waiting for this robot to take one step. And they would take a step and they'd applaud, you know, yay, oh, that was great. That was the best step I've ever seen. And I went to this thing for about three or four years, and I thought, this isn't working. This just doesn't quite do it. It didn't lend itself, I think, to a student competition, although there are some people today that proved me wrong uh, on that. But it just wasn't a fit for us, and the interest wasn't there. So we just got rid of it. You were ahead of the game when it came to solar power as well. You ran solar power across this country, right? Yeah, but that was a pretty much a GM thing. <clears throat> uh, they were running the World Solar Challenge in Australia, and they decided to do one here, and we were a partner. But, I mean, that was rough, 21, 21 cities in 21 days. Yeah, so what was the premise of that competition? To transport a human being from Florida to Detroit on the power of a hairdryer. Wow. That yeah. Was, that was pretty, I mean, it's pretty... That's pretty spacey. I mean, if we went through some fairly rural areas, and if you would see, I mean, you, you see these kids in their bare feet standing out in a cornfield, you know, watching it go by. They probably thought they were, well, we were Martians or something <laughs> like that. I mean, it was pretty bizarre. Were there any ideas that came across your desk that you wish you would have seen come to fruition? We, we were approached by another organization about co-sponsoring a marine competition but there's another ASME does a lot of human powered stuff and I thought okay we were automotive meaning self-propelled so that did deal with human power so I wasn't going to get involved in human powered anything it was motor powered 
stuff. I, I can't say there were really a lot. There were a lot that came across my desk that I didn't want anything to do with it. I mean, yeah. Some were great ideas. There was just no market, I think, for it. Like the railroad. Railroad. Line. I was just what I was thinking too. That the one railroad. Was really cool. Yeah. So that was actually by. It was proposed by um, a student who actually is part of the Baja Tech group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I honestly don't remember a whole lot about the concept of the competition because um, that was years ago that that was proposed. But it was a really cool idea. That the problem was it was just. There's absolutely no market for it. I mean, the railroad industry itself is fairly um, not a small market. Limited, it's, yeah. It's, I mean, it's a larger market that we don't know about, but it's limited for as far as uses. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, I mean, the the concept was taking a smaller kind of self-built box car that was going to be powered, you know. Um, it, it was a neat idea, but it just, we all sat here and I think you know, Steve, uh, Dom, he was the one who originally got the proposal. We kind of just said it's a great idea, but it's just not going to happen. It's, there's just no way to make it come. And there was life. limited sponsors as well. There wasn't yeah, a whole big market very, for, for some backing of it. Yeah, there's just, it was, we found it very <laughs> difficult on how to push that kind of conversation or competition forward. Um, and then we've had a couple numerous different um rocket competitions yeah um, we've had like the you know jet skis you know why don't we have you know jet ski competition similar to what the snowmobile competition is i'm still interested in that (laughs) think about that where would you have it (laughs) somewhere warm not bad (laughs) yeah where did you wish you would have had a competition you never got the chance to puerto rico puerto rico Ah. that's what i thought yeah, their faculty advisor down there promised me yeah. we'd do one. Half of it would be on the beach and half would be in the rainforest. Yeah, it was a big ah. Baja. And we That'd had plans. Cool. We were going to ship all the vehicles over on a barge, and but it just never came to fruition. Well, yeah. Hawaii and Manoa keeps saying they host a Baja. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Same concept. <laughs> Got to find a barge with all the teams and get them over there. Go through the sugar cane. I'll foods. be a it's consultant. Okay. I'll consult on that one. <laughs> but as a side note, uh, a lot of what we're talking about, especially the history uh, and, and Bob Seckler's beginnings, are highlighted in this month's or this coming month's momentum. Ah. Um, the the newsletter Amanda referenced at the beginning of this will be repeated uh, in the SAE momentum, which goes out to all uh, all student, of you guys, all yep. student members. So, uh, if you're interested in getting it and reading it, it it sh- it'll give you a different view. And it really shows you some of the history and some of the reasons why we do what we do. Um, and uh, it's a good read. But just thought I'd mention it real quick. Yeah, no, thanks for that, Sam. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, thinking about of all the competitions that, that we've passed on. There is, there is a process that happens behind the scenes where we truly do evaluate all of the feedback. I think that's one thing that um, you have imparted on us as, a, as an entire department is that customer feedback is key to success. Um, it's something that you continue to to read even as you're winding down your career, you're still interested in what students are saying in the surveys and, and the feedback that comes from that. So where does that come from? I mean, you've clearly had success with that. Advertising. Yeah. And that's exactly where it comes from. I had a little bit, bit of background in advertising and uh, it's all about customer feedback, you know, test markets, whatever. But 
It's honestly we're, one of the reasons CDS is a game changer, we're, right? We're lucky in a way. We get to spend three months with our customers every year. Yeah. Who else gets to do that? And they talk to us. Yes. And we talk to them. And faculty even talks to us, too. I don't like to listen to it sometimes. <laughs> well, and, and you know who you are. And a lot of, I mean, Kaylee and I, and Bob probably started this, but a lot of the people we're working with to help make these come true, in other words, going to a site, getting the volunteers, getting an organizer, they have come up through this program. And I think that's a real good lesson in Many of them are hired by these sponsors, um, and these sponsors obviously want to get the best of the best, and these hands-on programs are one of the best programs in order to get a recruit uh, with experience. They will offer their now employees the opportunity to come back and work with the program and be a judge, uh, organize an event, or go out and recruit employees and recruit students from these programs. So I think that's important to note that it's perpetual. I mean, we talk about it all the time where, you know, the rules may or may not change for a particular event. You know, formulas change, Baja's changes, aero design certainly significantly changes every year. Super mileage and snowmobile also change. But in about three years, we've got a whole new set of customers. And so that's why it's important that we keep asking what they want. Uh, Bob had mentioned earlier about technology. Well, technology has changed. Bob's original design and idea was educating undergraduate engineering students, giving them basic hands-on approach. If I'm right, and I'm not talking out of turn, that's not typically the case now. Kaylee's got at least a couple of events that are in the forefront of the technology. We have the auto drive that's coming up this spring that certainly is on the forefront. And so some of that has certainly evolved to make these events as popular as they are. Well, well I think also that uh, you know, when these things started going global, we found, and a lot of the teams started coming over here from offshore, especially Europe, they were graduate student projects. Mm -hmm. Graduate students have a lot of time to spend on projects. So they raised a bar quite a bit on the uh, technology and, uh, you know, of, of the vehicles. Uh, so is it an even playing field? Probably not, but, you know, the whole world's not an even playing field. So we advertise these things as being a real-world experience, so here, here it is. You know, we used to get grief uh, from students in Baja by saying all the teams from Mexico would win costs because they have lower labor costs. I said, go get your car fabricated in Mexico. And I mean, it's that, it's that simple. You know, it's, it's, you can't spoon feed people this stuff. And I mean, that's part of the, the learning experience. Watch what they're doing, see how they do things. Look at, I, we constantly take new teams around to talk to successful teams, teams that have embraced these programs and made them part of their curriculum, part of the way they teach engineering. Uh, you know who the schools are. We, we take them around and these kids find out, wow, you know, this is really how you do it. And I think it's really helpful. You know, the project management side of things, you know, the scheduling and that. For years, you know, I would go to Formula in Baja and students are putting vehicles together in the backs of trailers, you know, or just in pieces. They're just starting to 
put them together, and that doesn't happen as much. It's, I'm not saying it, it's non-existent, <laughs> but it just doesn't happen as much now. Well, I think we kind of helped that because now you can't even go to tech without a car being built. Right. Yeah. Before we weren't as stringent as that, and now we are because the playing field has been raised so much. Um, you know, students have they don't have a choice but to come ready anymore. I mean, there were some students basing their designs on what was laying around the shop. Yeah, yeah, That's, I think. Well, we yeah. use this. Well, and and for all the Ubaha guys. We are now adopting the cost module that Formula has been using for years. So don't listen to Bob. We've even a playing field at this point. So we're all using the same cost at this point. So, well, let's talk a little bit about, like, the craziest stuff you've seen. Teams showing up with their car and pieces. I mean, that still happens a little bit, yeah. um, but not probably as much to that extent. You know, the water event in Baja. The water event in Baja. <laughs> and some of the stuff we used to do there. It's scary to think about now. It is pretty scary to think about. I mean, I went to Montreal. We used to run the event around an old strip mine in Blaineville, which is now condos, by the way. Ah. And um, we used to launch vehicles at full speed, which might have been 20, 30 miles an hour, yeah. off about a eight-foot drop-off into a lake where they totally submerge. Most of them came back to the top. You know, and kept on going. Students would have to paddle them. We had hydraulic wheels that would lift up, and they'd run on a a, uh, a marine prop uh, type thing. I've I remember my first year; it was so cold. We had to mandate all the drivers have wetsuits just to drive endurance because it was so cold. Half the water had ice on it still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the water event was, was spectacular. Event, yeah. I miss it, but yeah, we we deemed it. I got my foot ran over because of the water vent. Too, too, too dangerous. But I've yeah. seen I've seen a wooden formula car ah. made of wood. Who was, do you remember the school? Uh, well, don't want to say. Oh. <laughs> you can tell us afterwards. Well, but but it didn't finish last. Yeah. yeah. It didn't finish last. It finished. We saw right? we saw Baja vehicles with well, they used to run bicycle handlebars. Yeah, three wheels. On them, three wheelers. We mm -hmm. had a six wheeler. Six wheels. I was gonna yeah. say six wheeler that turned on a dime, but didn't do much in the water. It they was a, it was at Montreal last year, or not Montreal. It was at Maryland last year, two years ago. I don't know if you saw it at Maryland. He oh, had it was part it of our recovery vehicle. Mm -hmm. We said we oh, had no. we had the Bamula, which was University of Akron's uh, hybrid Baja <laughs> Formula car combined. Yeah. Uh, that was. That's an iconic uh, design over the years. Um, That's someone outside your office on a, on a credenza. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, boy, I'm trying to think when, when else. I remember the first turbo formula car, uh, and it was Marquette University in a little yellow car. It looked like a yellow, little yellow cap. And the acceleration run, the turbo kicked in, and the car just started spinning around <laughs> 360s. Never made it to the finish line, but it spun around a lot. <laughs> Another formula, uh, formula car, University of Maryland, had the pleasure of running me over. Uh, when the turbo ki kicked in, the kids had the death grip on the wheel. Because you know, they have the turbo has that lag from when you punch it down for when it kicks in. And, uh, yeah, they hit me. <laughs> Anything crazy from Aero Design or any of the other companies? Aero Design. Yeah. Aero Design. We had a, uh, a team from uh, – Milwaukee School of Engineering. I think they had a 28-foot wingspan. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was called the Worm Burner. 
didn't get off the ground a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but they couldn't figure out a way to haul it, so they contacted a local cheese company and took a tractor trailer full of cheese down to Florida with their wing uh, in the back end. <laughs> and uh, I had a unique experience of having a personal encounter with that plane because it did get off the ground. And I had to go to the porta potty. When I was coming out of the porta potty, everyone was staring at me and pointing up, and the thing was coming right towards the porta potty. And it actually went over maybe about three feet over top of the porta potty, which is about five feet over my head, and crashed. That was interesting, you know, things like that. I mean, Aerodesign, the only one where we enjoy the crashes. That is true. I wasn't around for the beginning years of snowmobile when you guys were out in. Um, Yellowstone Junction. Jackson Hole. Jackson Hole. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Yeah, that may have been the best site we ever had getting to go into Yellowstone Park in the middle of winter before anyone was allowed in there. No tracks. Yeah, so that was Very cool. pretty cool to hear about. Yeah, that was good. That was a good place to go. What are some of the other memorable sites that we've been to? Sites, memorable sites. Hmm. Did you go to a sheep pasture in California? Oh, now there's a story. <laughs> Dean Case. Some people may know him out there. He was at uh, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. He wanted to do a Baja out there. He became the first and last student organizer <laughs> that we had because it ended up costing him another semester of school. I don't think his parents were too happy. But I fly to California. We're having this Baja event. And I get off the plane and Dean says, I got to talk to you. The site that was a it was a motocross track in uh, Santa Maria said they want five thousand dollars or they're not letting us in. Well, I couldn't write a check for five thousand dollars at the time, so we decided we would call the university, and they gave us a sheep pasture. We actually had to herd the sheep out of the pasture, <laughs> and we had a uh, quad that we made a course on, and and there were big rocks in here too. But it was so bad and so unsafe that we actually had the finish line came through the paddock area. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> downhill. Uh, so, I mean, back, but those were the days when people wear T-shirts and yep. uh, no wrist restraints, mm -hmm. you know, no netting. Um, what about Baja 100? That was a cool one. I like that site. That was a very cool event. I mean, that, that was one of the ones uh, that Bob... At least I, under the impression, uh, if it doesn't, if it's changing, he can tell me now. Uh, I was under the impression that, that he brought me in specifically for that program at one point or another. Um, Shannon had left. Shannon Hart, if any of you heard that name before. Uh, he had left, but um, Bob gave me all the responsibility, as Kaylee does, for the Lincoln on-site vendor responsibility and and Amanda mentioned water and uh, one of the things Bob wanted was every team should be supplied water well in Arizona where the event was held uh, you look up what this what what the army declares as sufficient water in that area it's something like eight ounces of water for every person for every half hour out in the sun I think I rented a refrigerated tractor trailer with like 800 cases of water. And every morning, the student... We had anniversary money. Well, yeah. that was also the year that we 
we mandated during endurance that drivers That's had right. to stop Sweet, yes. for water breaks. Yes, they yes. had to stop and hydrate, um, which is not something we always yeah. do during events. The good either. thing about it is there were places where you could run six cars wide mm-hmm. on that with 150 yards straight away. So, I mean, teams could go all out and actually race each other. What we didn't figure out, though, is when we put a tabletop at the end and then slow them down, they were flying the tabletops. And Baja vehicles, even though I know you students think they can fly, they really can't. (laughs) They tilt over and roll. And we had a number of unfortunate incidents out there. But we learned how to do tabletops at that That, time. Historically, the Bajas run anywhere for from the four-hour Bajas that we currently have, uh, run anywhere from 50 to 60 miles in those four hours. Laps. Yeah, yeah. Miles, total, yeah, total yeah, miles. Yeah. And this one was going to be 100 miles. Mm-hmm. So I think the track Bob's referring to was a two-and-a-half-mile track, and it was at least 30 feet wide almost everywhere. Yeah, we had them get do it pretty fast to get done in five hours. It was like, yeah, a little over five hours. Uh, but we averaged 20, 19 and a half miles an hour. Something like that, yeah. On it, but we got done on time. It was good. It was fun. I'd like to do it again. Oh, but I'm retiring, so. <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking for an organizer in the southwest area yeah. to run another Baja 100. Yeah, 2. Caterpillar 0. has a great facility out there. And our track's mm-hmm. still there, I understand. Yes. Paging Martha Tress. <laughs> <laughs> so anything, um, any stories from the consortium days of formula of that era? Not oh. too long ago. Well, that was interesting, but, but it was good. It was really good for formula SAE. You know, we were, we were having formula SAE down in a, uh, parking lot at, uh, Texas Arlington. And uh, a student, uh, his name is Paul Allen, he was at Georgia Tech, came to me after he graduated and he went to GM and he was working with Kenny Bernstein trying to set the drag race record 300 miles an hour, whatever. And he called me and he said, you know, you ought to try and bring this event to Detroit. You know, Detroit needs to know about it. That's when the whole hiring thing started, when we realized, boy, what a great benefit to recruiters and human resources departments to bring this event to them. So he talked with the people at GM when we got Milford Proving Grounds where we ran symmetrical formula tracks. Um, but that was, that's when things really started taking off because we formed a consortium where GM Ford and, and Chrysler at the time supported this event every year uh, for recruiting purposes. So we went from from GM to Ford. Uh, Ford is where we got Carol Smith uh, to come in, then to Chrysler. And then they decided, uh, this is going to turn into a competition. So uh, let's form this consortium, go to a neutral site, and went to the Silver Dome. The now defunct <laughs> Silver Dome in Pontiac, Michigan, yeah, which was a good event yet. for us. <laughs> a good event uh for us uh, for years and we expanded the Baja to three events and we could almost use another one uh, for that but you know Sam's lazy he doesn't want to do any more events so what's the one thing you're going to miss about going to competitions 
just the camaraderie. You know, as much as, you know, the faculty guys I'm always mm-hmm. yep. talking with and that, just missing that and listening to them telling lies to each other. And, <laughs> I mean, that was, uh, that's good. I miss that. I'd look, I'd look forward to seeing those guys every spring. <laughs> And I'd spend lots of time just going around the paddocks talking to each one of them. It's amazing how much you learn yeah. uh, mm-hmm. about your products and how you're perceived and ideas. And never in a million years could a million people satisfy all the faculty advisor needs. Yep. But Even we with were, unlimited budget. Even with <laughs> unlimited budget. Yeah. But, you know, when you start receive, getting... Uh, um, a repeated message about an improvement possibility, we'd usually do it. Yep. We'd usually change something. And I think our customers realize that we do that. I think they trust us to do that. So that's been good. That's 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 absolutely what I'll miss miss the most. What do you think makes a CDS student different than a typical engineering student? Practical skills, teamwork, teaming skills. Um, I think it, they build confidence. You see many students start as freshmen, you know, cleaning wheels, clean the car up, find the nuts and bolts, go get me a wrench, you know, that kind of thing, to where they're a team leader. You know, as a senior, and, you know, I think employers recognize, recognize that. Uh, I had a uh, vice president of one of the OEMs, uh, I asked him once, I said, what do you think this experience brings to the table? He figured students that went, went through uh, the program were a couple years ahead of his new hires that hadn't. In fact, one of the car manufacturers actually started a training program based on Formula SAE to give to those new hires that didn't have that experience. So that's a compliment in a way that we did something right. We were at the right place at the right time. Um, and we've changed we changed the face of mechanical engineering a little bit i think because everyone i think everyone knows about these programs now it's hard to go around an engineering school uh and not not find one of these vehicles or a trophy or they know what you're talking about probably because they spend a lot of schools money (laughs) (laughs) what about the future future Bob Any says, predictions? Bob's going to say that's for us to decide. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> Next. No, it's, um, well, I mean, everyone, autonomous vehicles, yeah. that's certainly going to come into play. Cybersecurity, electric vehicles. I mean, you're, you're starting to see that now. Uh, I mean, no one thought Tesla was going to be around, and here they are, still around. There's a big push for electric vehicles. Autonomous vehicles are all over the place now. Um, so I think that's how it's going to change. You know, the fact that the technology changes, but I think the, the collegiate design programs, since they, to me, are still greatly a project management exercise and you can use project management skills you gain in this on just about anything you do so no matter what the technology is 
I think if it becomes a CDS program, uh, it'll sort of use the same basic format. Uh, you know, design, build, test, like uh, the autonomous vehicles. I don't know if we'll get to the point of designing our own ground-up autonomous vehicles. Maybe. I would say, yeah. You know, maybe at some point. That's a little scary thinking about right now. <laughs> but uh, I think the auto industry knows that we are a training ground for their future engineers. Um, so, and I think we need to be responsible enough that we're training them on what they need to know when they're going into that industries. And I think that you'll see that through our design programs, through specified training programs. Um, so I think that that will be the big change, but we're still selling out. Sponsors are still interested. Young people are getting hired out of these programs right and left. So all is good. I think the future is bright for CDS because the people that were in CDS are now going to be hiring. So that's a good thing. Yeah. It all comes full circle. huh? Yeah. Yeah. And they become tech inspectors too. Yep. They do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, you've seen quite a few generations kind of circle back around um, and eventually move back out of the program. So that's got to be cool to see people coming back that you knew as students coming back, getting into the programs. I just met a guy a few weeks ago. He was here for a board of directors meeting. I met him as a student at Wisconsin. And Wisconsin at the time didn't want to have the Baja program. And he said, well, I'm doing it anyways. And he pushed that thing through and he became very successful with the program. And then the school embraced it. Uh, and he's back here now. He owns his own company. He said it, that program taught him how to be an entrepreneur because he had to sell the idea. He had to go find money. He had to build it. He had to test it. Uh, you know, he had to sell it to a panel of judges. He said it's everything he's doing with new product yep. development in his company. So it's has multiple uses. I had a human resources manager from uh, uh, EI DuPont once tell me that that he was in Baja, and I said, what were you doing in Baja? He says, I was a team manager. He said it was the best experience he ever had. Just the dynamics of the, the team and handling the problems and you know, smoothing things out and dealing with people issues. Well, we had that, uh, I don't know if you want to name the school, but Dan Dolan over at uh, South Dakota brought his psychology major. Yeah to the formula team. And when I asked what her responsibility was, she had meetings daily with the team captain and, and the stress levels and how each team member handled and adjusted to whatever was going on that day. I remember well, that, was some, that was her master's thesis. That's been a big change too. When you were asking about changes before big change, it used to be engineers, just engineers. You had to be yeah. an engineer to be on this team. And the students finally came to me and said, Hey, engineers don't just work with, engineers anymore so we opened up student membership so you have all sorts of majors you need someone to raise money go get a marketing major mm -hmm. a business student to run your finances or a finance student the psychologist for uh, uh, team manager um, so what what they're doing is like running a little company yep. right now 
Well, I remember when I first started here, membership used to do that um, youth leadership seminar or something that was called like that. And there always used to be a presentation about that for CDS programs, about how it doesn't have to just be an engineer because yeah. these programs are like a business. And so a business requires everyone to be in to run it. So yeah, um, I think even that back, I mean, that was back in 2000 four or five, six, that I remember those. And even that was when we started seeing some of the, the progress of the teams really raising the bar back then. I mean. I think you see more women on teams now. Yeah. Than there yep. used to be. Mm -hmm. Certainly the global a, presence. That's definitely a big change. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's widely known globally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, and I think, I think that's been good. Well, any final words, Bob? Any advice to CDS teams? Start early. Don't get in trouble breaking into the shop late at night. <laughs> I'll be back out there to see everyone. Uh, it's been a joy for me to work with these programs over the years. Uh, I couldn't have asked to do something I enjoyed more. So keep up the hard work, and we'll see you out there. Maybe not this year, but maybe next year. Thanks for listening to Flight Plans, the SAE Aero Design Podcast. As always, we want to hear from you, so email aerodesign at sae.org. The show notes for this episode and all others can be found at aerodesign.fireside.fm. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next episode.